This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media's podcasts and other student work at garnetmedia.org. He's right. coming on the pod. Yeah, he really enjoyed our last episode. Finally, our, n- our number one most anticipated guest. I know. Second episode. We're already doing really well. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to make a quick shout out to two of our biggest fans, um, Caleb Bozard and Ian Grenier. They've been like talking to us nonstop about the podcast. They've been really obsessed, honestly. Um, Caleb wants to come on. He said he was a little nervous to come on, but... I think I think he'll be a guest in the upcoming uh, future. He has some movie takes he wants to air out with us from last episode. Just Ian Grenier is just a huge fan. He he really could not stop talking to me about how much he loves the podcast. He like started tearing up one time. So is that actually how you pronounce Ian's last name? Grenier. Yeah. 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 I always thought it was Grenier. Grenier, like uh, grenadine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mix him in with my cocktails, you know. Yeah, yeah a little bit of Ian with a little, little bit of Ian. <laughs> yeah. What do we got lined up for today? We got we got Grammys talk, we got uh, Morbius talk, Moon Knight talk, and then we're also we're having I'm kind of having a great week because a few things happened. Um one, the Lakers got eliminated from the playoffs, so you know, that's great. Um but also sports-wise, our team U of SC women's basketball won the national championship this week, so huge for us. We're gonna have our sports editor from Daily Gamecock, Lawson Merle, on later to talk all about that and his experience getting to go to um, Minnesota, Minneapolis, and cover cover the tournament. So yeah. you know we're not gonna get too in depth into the sportsy side of it because we're more of a pop culture podcast, but we're gonna talk about like his experience there and. He gave uh, you a bit of a preview of some of the awesome things that happened. It's definitely, definitely worth listening to. It's kind of an incredible experience, few days for young Lawson Merrill. Yeah, so that'll come later in the pod, but I want to start by talking wait, about... Wait, wait, I want to share my week for a second. Okay, okay. Because I've had an incredibly bizarre week. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm cursed, so if anyone listening feels like some bad things are happening to them recently, maybe you're cursed too. I smashed my laptop yesterday on accident. Uh, fell out of my backpack. It was a $300 repair. I'm very broke now. Um, and I also got, like, my credit card got kind of scammed, which was weird. Started seeing fraudulent charges. Uh, so not not a great week from those, but I also had two pretty big stories. Um, I had a cool story of a, a profile I did on a local politician. Mm-hmm. You want to go read that? That's a, That was a career highlight for sure. And an even bigger career highlight was... Um, I actually got to talk to Rainbow Kitten Surprise, who will, I'm pretty sure they've already sold out the Township Auditorium tomorrow. Um, I wrote a story on that, uh, got to interview them. That was really awesome. They're a really cool band. Um, they actually released a song today, if uh, if you want to go listen. It's called Workout. I listened already. I thought it was really awesome. Um, I'm excited to see them tomorrow. It'll be cool. I like that the piece where you interviewed the um, politician that you put from politician to podcaster really like yeah it's relevant to the yeah story. really trying to support try our to, medium we, yeah yeah uh bourbon in the backrooms their podcast it's really interesting um he has a really uh 
sort of prominent political career and he's kind of using that to teach people about you know local government and stuff um this podcast is pretty interesting definitely give the piece a read and uh and let me know what you think as always you can find all that on uh dailygamecock.com yeah. uh so check out those pieces we have a couple of other pieces yeah. coming out this week if we just want to hit on that real quick yeah, one, Some local one really news. cool is by our opinion editor audrey ellsbury um I, I, for one, am a huge fan of the public art in Columbia space, and I, I think Columbia does a really awesome job of it, thanks to one Columbian, some probably pretty talented artist. But she did a profile on, on an artist named Kate Maloney, and um, there's a, you, you might know going down um, Gervais Street. It's on, if you're coming from the State House uh, towards the river, it's on the left side. It's by where it used to be Surefire Taco. It's the, like, sort of greenish face. It's called Lady Vista. She has a really cool story. It's definitely worth talking, talking and uh, reading about. Excuse me. Um, we have a couple other stories. On Friday, we'll have a, a cool feature on a band named Charlie Boy, which is a cool um, local band. They play at, like, New Brooklyn Tavern. Um, definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of cool bands that come through New Brooklyn Tavern for, for anyone trying to explore the pop culture and music scene here in, in Columbia. I definitely recommend talking about them. I'm going to go see a guy named Bill Murray. Not the Bill Murray. Not the but Bill Murray? B-I-L-M-U-R-I there. I'm pretty excited for that. He's kind of a cool, like, kind of almost comedic, but uh, very, like, hard pop punk, which will be cool. He And with him, he'll be headlining, but one of the other people performing is uh, a band named Aim High, which is another cool Columbia band. Um, they're also pop punk, and, and they're going on tour pretty soon. Um, definitely smaller, but but worth checking out, especially if you like pop punk. I also saw USC Theaters doing uh, Romeo and Juliet. Right, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we should have a preview by that up on the site by the time this comes out um, by Riley, uh, one of our arts writers. It's a really cool story. Um, you know, I, I'm always amazed at the productions that USC Theater uh, puts on. I, I mean, obviously, maybe it's kind of arrogant of me to not expect excellence from a USC Theater program, but... Um, they, they really are just always so, so incredible. I saw a couple, I used to go to almost all of them my freshman year just because I was on campus more and, and I thought it was cool. I saw um, a really good one. Um, what is that What is that movie with uh, the guy from Dead Poets Society? It's a Shakespeare play. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, Kenneth Robin Branagh. Robin Williams? Oh. Uh, no, not not Robin Williams. It's a, it's a Shakespeare play. Um, and it's a, a movie adaptation um, with Kenneth Br- Kenneth Bradaw. Henry V? Um, I can't remember. I'm looking it up. Um, but it's really good. Definitely recommend do- seeing that movie because that's pretty good. Keanu Reeves is in it. Um, it's, uh, it's a really good movie. But USC Theater put on a production of that that was just great. I mean, Longstreet Theater is really cool. For anyone who likes theater out there, it, I think one of the cool I got things- it. Much Ado About Nothing. Yes, Much Ado About Nothing. Great movie. I have not seen it. Great USC theater production. No, you got to watch that movie. Okay. Um, uh, Michael Keaton's in it, speaking of Morbius and his big role in Morbius. Um, Michael Keaton does really good. I, honestly, I feel like that's probably one of my favorite roles I've seen Michael Keaton in. Um, that's such a good movie. Yeah, you definitely should watch that. Um, but I also really want to see, I'm embarrassed I haven't seen Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington. I haven't seen it either. We should watch it together. We're going to go see um, (laughs) 
everything everywhere all at once this weekend we're excited for that yeah we'll I'm a talk huge about Daniels it next fan. week on the pod yeah yeah so yeah stay tuned for that next week the only multiverse movie we're excited to see yeah <laughs> speaking yeah. of multiverses yeah. Yeah. we got morbius mania sweeping the nation yeah. and just everyone and their mother is talking about morbius what a whole like 13 percent of rotten tomatoes yeah we it's... have a, 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 a review summary what to expect next piece coming out this Friday from a sports writer, Jack Veltry. Um, but yeah, I, I embarrassingly enough did not see it. I, I did not have the time and frankly, maybe the money. After don't, m- don't worry. <laughs> I, I am here yeah. for the Morbius takes. Great. Okay. Um, I think I, one thing I noticed, I haven't even seen the movie, but I have been for this episode collecting some of my favorite uh, tweets and, and reviews of it. Um, I think, uh, I, I honestly think it's infinitely more valuable. I mean, besides it being the best movie ever made, I think it's <laughs> infinitely more valuable as, as meme fodder. Um, one, here's a tweet from, uh, Carl Garcia at Carlin Space. Um, we still don't know the effects of long Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> so I I got infected with the Morbius mania on a, <laughs> on Friday night. Viral Morbius. When, mania. when wear I, your masks. Yeah, wear your masks so you don't catch Morbius mania. Uh, I went to go see it on Friday last Friday uh, with my friend Sean, and we saw it like a 10 p.m. screening. Like it was super late at night. We were. Just kind of like bold to go to a, a 10 p.m. screening of Morbius. Yeah, I know, I know. What was your thought process? The, there? We we thought maybe we'll actually see some vampires while yeah, we were there. Right, you know, we right. wanted the full experience. The, we we're hoping somebody Morbius, would show up in a Morbius costume. The mania had gone <laughs> to your head at that point. You're, yeah, you're a full fledged mania. Yes, yeah. it. I I I caught it before I even stepped in the theater, and. The uh, first five minutes of the movie, I knew it was probably going to be one of the worst things I had ever seen because <laughs> it's a movie where I'm I'm pretty sure if you sat the director and the writers and the editors all down in a room and you like showed them like a sequence of shots and you asked them to explain their thought process, I'm not sure if they actually had any kind of artistic thought behind that or if the producers were just like, ah, throw, throw it together that way and uh, that's good. It's a superhero movie. We're going to make a shit ton of money yeah, either way. Yeah, it's a superhero way. movie. Who cares? We're going to make a ton of money. So the movie opens as all, like, superhero movies do, where it's, like, some random shot of, like, the rainforest. Or, like, you know how, like, yeah. all these movies open in, like, exotic some, like, locations? Some, scientist yeah. location or, like, right. some laboratory or something like that. And he's, that. like, in a cave, and he's, like, I'm Morbius. <laughs> he's already Morbius in no, the opening scene? I, I, I don't even know because the opening scene doesn't even really connect to the rest of the movie. Oh, I actually that's don't. I actually don't know where, it, where like if you put it in chronologically, where it would take place. Maybe the end. Do you think maybe you just didn't catch the beauty and art that Morbius was? Yeah, you think this it just is went over this your is head? like the Phantom Menace. Yeah, you know, it's like right. we're reappreciating it twenty years later. We'll be like, shit, Morbius was actually Jared a masterpiece. Killed it. Yeah, but like he goes into a cave. And he's like, I'm oh, Morbius. And, like, yeah. he steps off a plane. He's got his, like, crutches. So I don't think he's Morbius because he still has to walk with his crutches. Yeah. And he, like, touches, like, some, like, strange He touches thing the Morbius. With, with his blood. Like, he cuts open his hand and he touches, like, this, like, relic or this, like, weird piece of string-looking thing. And then, like, all these bats fly out. And it's like, Morbius. Yeah. Like, the title, title screen. And then it cuts to him growing up in, like, England, I think. 
Also, for the Morbius title screen, they didn't have enough money to actually make a digital screen, so it's just like Morbius drawn on a piece of paper, <laughs> yeah. and the camera's like hugging above it. Yeah, Jared Leto, yeah. it's like the Reddit AMA is how they yeah. hold up the yeah. piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. He's you just holding it up. Leto it's just like R slash Morbius. Yeah, that's the title now. Uh, <laughs> so okay, yeah. So cut to oh, he's a child in London. And there's this dude that... Oh, great. I love that it goes all the way back to his childhood. childhood. Yeah, yeah, we needed and that. He's got this blood disease. And Jared Harris plays his doctor. Uh, and there's this, like, other kid who comes in who... I still don't know if his name's Lucian or Milo. I don't really know what the... He calls them two different names throughout the whole movie. I think movie. this movie definitely went over your head. No. And I don't really understand the difference between the two names or why he was being called those. But apparently it seemed very emotional for them whenever he used the other name. It was Milo and Lucian. And he usually called them Milo. But every once in a while he'd be like, Lucian! And then like he'd be like freaked out. Anyways, and if you look at the credits, it's like Matt Smith credited as Milo slash Lucian. So it's not like a first name, last name thing. Maybe it's like a vampire. I name, guess like it's Jared an alter Leto, ego, yeah. Morbius. Um, Jared Leto plays himself in the movie, by the way. The blood disease is, is all part of Jared Leto's backstory. <laughs> yeah, well, he did go full method, which brings yeah. me to another point that. Of course uh, he went fucking method acting for Morbius. He went method acting for Morbius. Uh, discussing film tweeted. Uh, Jared Leto was so committed to playing Morbius that he would use crutches and slowly limp to the bathroom. However, the pee breaks began taking so long that it was slowing down filming, so compromise was made for him to use a wheelchair. You're joking. I'm what is not, the I'm not joking. Uprox. Oh, my gosh. Mike Ryan, senior entertainment writer. There's like a whole... I have an answer th- to This your is chair. all part of an interview with the director, so this oh is from the director's gosh. mouth. You know, um, Daniel Day-Lewis actually was going to come out of retirement, and then he heard that method acting was being used like this, and he decided to give up acting again forever. It's one of those things where it's like, going method does not make you a good actor. Like, I I think method acting is kind of a lot of I was actually just listening to an interview. Yeah, I was listening to an interview with Christian Bale and and Matt Damon about Ford v. Ferrari, and, and Christian Bale was really like, he was like, you know, I, I, I recently realized, like, I don't want my method acting and, like, body control, weight loss to be sort of used in an unhealthy way. So uh, I think I'll probably not do that anymore, especially I'm getting older. And, and he was like, one of the reasons I, I sort of started doing that is I saw uh, Gary Oldman in that Winston Churchill movie, and he was just wearing a fat suit. And I was like, oh, I could have <laughs> been doing that the whole time. <laughs> That's true. And didn't Gary Oldman win an Oscar for yeah, that? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So... And he and he didn't win for Vice. Yeah. Christian Bale didn't win for yeah. Vice for Dick Cheney. He also said that, that so. um, in the interview, he was like, um, one of my friends' wives like met uh, Dick Cheney at a party, and she asked him what he thought of what Dick Cheney thought of the Christian Bale's performance, and he was just like, "You dick" or something. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Bale laughed at That's that. That's gold. It's a good interview. So yeah, Jared Leto. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Apparently he like... I have an answer here. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Ten-year-old Michael Morbius welcomes his surrogate brother, Lucian, whom he renames Milo. So Wait, he gives the <laughs> dude another name and the I, other I mean, dude's yeah. just fine with it? Yeah. They bond over their shared blood illness and desire to be, quotation the marks, fuck? normal. He's like, I'm just going to start calling you Milo. And that dude was just like, all right. <laughs> also... So I rename you. Are they saying Morbius is Greek? Also, Morbius is just his last name. Why is that his superhero name? I don't know. It's like, I mean, I guess Doctor, Doctor Strange. Doc Ock, Doctor yeah. Octavius. Yeah, but 
It's okay. not that uncommon. Yeah, I guess you're right. But still, to be like Morbius. <laughs> it's like his vampire name. Or it's like if uh, Spider-Man's superhero name was just Parker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, I mean, at least with like Doctor Strange, it's like, oh, and, and by the way, Noah is actually one of the biggest Marvel fans I know. He um he pretty much worships superhero movies like this, so it was honestly a big letdown for him. Stop. To have Morbius not meet his expectations. I knew Morbius was gonna be shit, and I am not a huge superhero movie fan. Which actually, now that I'm saying stop, stop, I'm realizing that I probably would win over most of our audience with me saying I am a superhero fan, <laughs> and me saying I hate superhero movies is probably gonna be what turns them off. But I don't care. I have too much pride. Yo, you've been outed. I've been outed. I don't hate superhero movies. To just to, hate to be on the record, I really am excited for the new Doctor Strange movie. Actually, because yes, I'm. It's directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Speaking of, I, I I can never. Every time I see or hear or think about this movie, I think about this one comment I saw on the YouTube trailer, and it's like you know that scene in the trailer where his face is getting like moved around and and like blocks and it's like ripped apart but his hair yeah. is like perfect right like next time you watch the trailer it's really funny someone was like pointed out in the comments that his face is getting like turned into like flesh cubes but his hair is still like <laughs> perfectly combed dude the funniest shit about any action movie is how perfect everyone's hair yeah. is in every single yeah. scene that is funny but i i just think that movie's like gonna be pretty good and it's only it got they announced the runtime last week uh it's gonna be 126 minutes which is kind of short. And all the Marvel fans on Reddit and shit that I was reading were like, oh my God, this this movie's going to be a disaster. It's only two hours long. This is supposed to open up the whole multiverse and set up all these characters. How are they going to do all that at all this time? And I was like, what if it's just a movie and it's not your stupid Easter egg bullshit fest? No, if the next 15 <laughs> movies aren't set up in this hour and a half, we'll be devastated. The fan base will be ruined. Where are my Easter eggs? <laughs> Show show oh, me things I know. I mean, you joke, but I just know the movie will be chock full of Easter eggs, and people will eat them up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, honestly, I I don't know if I would even have watched the trailer. Maybe this is super contrary to me. Um, you can hate me if you want, but uh, I don't even know if I would have watched the trailer if it, if I didn't know it was by Sam Raimi. Do you remember when I walked into the the newsroom that time and you're like, "Did you see the trailer?" And I was like, "No." You're like, "Why would I watch that?" <laughs> yeah. 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 And now that we know that Bruce Campbell's going to be in it and Tom Cruise might be in it, yeah. now I'm like kind of low-key on the Doctor Strange train. Yeah, I, I'm kind of excited. I mean, I I just really like Sam. I mean, and it's Sam Raimi doing horror too, which is like even cool. Yeah. Even more cool. Yeah. I mean, not like Evil Dead level of horror. But yeah. Yeah, but, but still, it's like a, maybe a return to his roots a little bit, slightly. Actually, yesterday I watched Darkman, which is one of Sam Raimi's like early movies, and it was a superhero that he created himself because he couldn't get the rights to Batman. Oh, uh, and it's what? this '90s movie starring Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand. Starring Liam Neeson? Yeah. Oh my god, I gotta watch this. And movie. Darkman. Like, yeah, and it's about like this guy who is like a research scientist, and he's trying to create like better like prosthetic surgeries that like you could just like 3D print skin basically, but it keeps melting. And when these gangsters come to, like, steal these, like, building plans that are part of, like, his wife's work, who's played by Francis McDormand, uh, to, like, torture him, they throw him in, like, the vat of the chemicals. And, like, from then on, he can't be in the sunlight for too long because he's, like, all, like, 
gross like his skin's like all burned off so he can't be in the sunlight so he's always wrapped in bandages he has like a big dark trench coat he's got like a a hat it looks like kind of like a noir thing it's actually a really depressing movie for most of it like you just like feel the tragedy of this dude like it's kind of like Ang Lee's Hulk in that way I always loved that yeah Yeah. a lot of people don't like that movie I liked it I like that movie too we're contrarian we loved it you didn't like it we liked it yeah exactly (laughs) It, it, it rem- it's kind of those vibes. Obviously, it came out like 15 years earlier than, I really see this. than that Hulk. But I used to be obsessed with Liam Neeson. He's good. He's really good in it. You just don't, you only see his face for yeah, the like first five like minutes. And his it's eyeballs. Just him just behind a mask. And whenever he takes off the mask, he's, uh, his entire face is burned off like um, yeah. like two faces. I don't know if we've night. ever sp- spoken about this. And we can, we can leave out the whole Zack Snyder Justice League movie. But. Have you ever seen uh, Watchmen? No. Oh my god. I haven't god. seen the movie or yeah, the show. If I mean, if anyone listening to this wants to watch one of the best superhero, I mean, it's not even really superhero. It's almost kind of like making a, a joke of superheroes. But if you want to watch something that will change your life, go watch Watchmen, the show on HBO. Uh, that is incredible. The movie is actually very good too. Um, I don't know. That's a hot take. I probably. Uh, of me to say that it's Zack Snyder. Isn't, isn't the, that the movie where like it's the big blue guy who's yeah, got his dick yeah, out all the time? Yep, yeah. Something about the the movie and the show is that guy's dick has just always got to be out. But <laughs> I, I don't know. That's part. Is Doctor Manhattan? It's a really really great show though. I don't know. I really like the movie. The movie is like a little Hollywood corny sometimes, but but the the themes of the movie are genuinely still there from the original. It's like adapted from a yeah. comic book. Pretty pretty straightforward. Um, so it, it's it's good. It's worth watching. All I know is I've seen the opening credits, and it's got like Bob Dylan's "Times They Are Changing." I, know. I was like, I was like, yeah. don't do my do my boy Bob Dylan like this. Well, <laughs> I, I I also see that, but I will say when I watched it, I I both really love Bob Dylan, and I was enjoying the movie at that point. So it it does it's kind of cool. It like takes this weird sort of route of like washed up superheroes. And it's like they save the world one time, and then now they're all kind of washed up. And like, I, I think the plot is like someone's trying to kill them. I don't, I don't really remember. But so it's like the, the. I mean, it literally is like a, like a cutscene about the times are changing because it's like showing them like washed up. So yeah. it was pretty good. I liked it. I don't know. You oh, you watch it and tell really me quick. Times. Just yeah. came to my head. Do you know what's coming out this weekend that actually got really good reviews? What? Ambulance, the new Michael Bay Oh, yeah, movie. I was just reading about that. It, yeah. It's apparently really good. How have you not seen it already? I, I would have, as a Michael Mann, Michael Mann's man, I'm surprised well, you... Well, it's not a Michael Mann movie. It's a Michael Bay movie. Michael Bay, Michael Bay. Yeah. I thought you just said Michael Mann. No. I knew it was Michael Michael Mann, Mann has a new show that comes out on Friday, actually. What is called it? Called Tokyo Vice. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is starring everyone's favorite, <laughs> Ansel Elgort, but... Yeah, well, you love Ansel Elgort. No, he I has don't. this poster of him up in his room. That would be extremely <laughs> sus. That man is not a good person, from what I've heard. But yeah, I, I have heard that as well. I I also knew it was a Michael Bay movie, and embarrassed, I thought it was Michael Mann. But I I read it. Well, tweet. it's kind of Michael Bay doing Michael Mann. is yeah. what I've heard. Okay, I'm excited to see it. I saw a tweet earlier today. I live my life just in tweets that I saw, I guess. It's kind of <laughs> disgusting. But, uh, I live my life one tweet at the time. Yeah. Dom Toretto. <laughs> Fast and Furious 1. I, uh, it was like, I just saw Ambulance, and it's the best Michael Bay movie ever, and I'll be campaigning for Jake Gyllenhaal to win best uh, performance for the next year. Nice. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be so great. Yeah. Uh, so 
we'll talk about that. We'll talk about everything, everywhere, all at once next week. Yeah. Uh, sorry, back to Morbius talk. Because I'm yeah, not yeah done. most I importantly, have, let's get I back have, to the important <laughs> stuff. Come I on. have so many notes on this movie. I'll stop recapping the plot, and I'll just talk about s- some of the funny shit. Did you see Tyrese Gibson's Instagram post? No. This is so fucking funny. I can't even... So Tyrese Gibson, obviously, you know, famous for the Fast and Furious franchise. He plays a detective in Morbius. And there was a tweet that said that was Martin Scorsese photoshopped in front of a Morbius poster, like as if he was at the premiere. Yeah. Legend has it Martin Scorsese changed his view on Marvel movies because of Morbius. (laughs) Well, that's basically what this says. And it's a quote. Obviously, this is a joke on Twitter. It says, it's not. I was quote Martin Scorsese. I was aghast to find out it was based on a comic book. This is the truest height of cinema, and even I cannot top it. A wise man admits when he is wrong, and I was wrong. I apologize to all comic book movies. Hashtag Morbius sweep. <laughs> and Tyrese Gibson posted a picture of this tweet on his Instagram account and said, Wow, wow, wow. I can't believe what just happened. Whoa. Cheers and hats off to you, Daniel Espinosa, the director of Morbius. This is so amazing, King. This is the king of kings of cinema. Martin Scorsese, this is huge, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And all the the page I found this on, shout out to r slash blankies. They were all like, don't say a fucking word. Tyrese is too precious and needs protection at all costs. (laughs) Yeah, they say um, uh, Scorsese is going to direct the next Morbius 3. Yeah, Scorsese is directing Morbius 2. Don't jump all the way to 3 yet. Morbius Morbius 2, Revenge of Morbius. Yeah, they're going to make a seven-part Morbius uh, show on Disney+. And uh, it's going to be directed by Scorsese. Leonardo DiCaprio will be in it. Yeah, he's playing the villain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to play Green Goblin, and he's going <laughs> to he's going to get the Sinister Six together. You know, we we joke about that, but like, I, I and we'll come back to this. But note for our later discussion on Moon Knight, it's really not all that absurd to say something like Leonardo DiCaprio will be in a, a Marvel show. Like, what well, you know, it? the two actors that are going to be in Thor four. Mm-mm. Russell Crowe and Christian Bale are both playing major characters in the next Thor movie, which comes out this summer. Uh, Russell Crowe, I, I don't, I don't know. He's very talented. I love him, but like, I don't. I can still see him. I don't. I know. mean, I, he was in Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I think there are actors who are like just really great actors, and they kind of just do it because they probably like acting and also probably like money. Maybe <laughs> Russell Crowe is both good at it and likes money. Like, I don't really see him saying no to a Marvel, but, like, someone like Christian Bale, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, he was in the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, but, but like, that's, that's, like, still Nolan, different. Yeah. 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 And, like, that, not only did that make his career, but he was trying. He got that part when he was young. Yeah, yeah. and, like, I, I was also just, I kind of went on a Christian Bale obsession YouTube interview watch recently, and he was, I was watching an interview with him um, during the American Psycho era, and he was, like, he was like, everyone was telling me not to do American Psycho, but I did it just because of that. Like, I did it because of the yeah. challenge and the cast type that, like, people will subject me to in the future. And, like, I can just see him wanting to do Dark Knight after American Psycho and being like, I gotta, I gotta, I, I can do this. I'll kill it. You know, I another interview I watched, just to keep on on this rant, is um, Nolan, like, uh, I watched this, like, behind-the-scenes thing, and it was... Uh, Christian Bale was the first person to interview or to, like, uh, perform in a, a casting call for it. And, like, he um, had the suit on. They always make him wear, like, the old Batman suit. So he had, like, George Clooney's suit on or something. 
and he was the first person Nolan saw, and he did the voice, like the like <laughs> d- gravelly voice. Batman. Yeah, yeah, and and it was so good. His like performance was so good that he li- like Nolan had like another hundred people try out, and he the whole entire time all he could think about was Bale's performance that first time. My favorite line reading in all of the Batman movies is when he sees the homeless guy that he gave the coat to at the beginning. Yeah. As Batman, he goes, nice coat. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> those those movies are the most quotable three movies, I think, of, like, any other movie. Maybe, like, I don't of, know. like, the last 15 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I say, like, quotes from that movie probably weekly. And, yeah. like, the the Reeves Batman recently only made that worse. I've rewatched all of them because of that, and for like the entirety of spring break, I could only speak in Batman. I quotes. actually rewatched I I Batman Begins this weekend, and it is so good. It is so good. Those movies hold up so well. I actually don't think Dark Knight Rises is a very good movie. I think Batman Begins is like one A. Well, like Batman Begins is just like a smidge under Dark Knight for me. Yeah. But like they're actually very close. Yeah, which I feel I, I like a lot of people that. think Batman Begins is the worst, but I would actually I think no, it's, it's I the I best. think I think I don't think people argue that it's the worst. I think people argue that it it is an origin story and therefore less than because it's an origin story, and like like it doesn't I don't know I think maybe people argue it doesn't stand alone as the like, first hour uh, is so an, good like all the training all the training Mason, stuff again, with Liam Neeson yeah. To and bring, like, bring this full circle, yeah. low-key, the Batman Begins score is better than the Dark Knight score, in my opinion, because yeah. it's a lot more, like, subtle and it builds. It's like that, like, just, like, so droning. Good. I, like can hear, oh, I can hear it in my head yeah. right now. I just hit myself in the face with the mic. Yeah, and <laughs> to tie this back to Morbius really quick. Yeah, to the real <laughs> cinema. Let's go back to the to real it. story of the pod today. Uh, they literally just like lifted the Batman Begins score and like put it onto fucking Morbius. It's so bad. as they should. I mean, yeah. it's the better movie by far. So <laughs> Nolan actually gave them full rights and permission to, uh, to just yeah. rip it off. Don't don't quote us on that. Actually, <laughs> we were saying Scorsese thought it was good. I also saw a quote from Nolan that was like, "This is better than anything I've ever worked on." <laughs> I aspire to be um, Spinoza. Yeah. So there's this shot in Morbius that's literally he enters a tube of bats because you know. He's his whole power is that like he's a vampire, like he can call bats. So he's like Batman, but actually has control over bats. And he steps into a tube filled with bats in his laboratory, and he like starts low to the ground, and then slowly like rises up. And as he's doing that, it's literally playing the Batman Begins score, basically, from the scene in Batman Begins, where Batman stands where, above Batman, where he g- goes into the Batcave for the first time, and they all start swirling around him, and he's like overcomes his fears and stands up inside, like inside the like tunnel of bats like it's literally the exact same shot and the score is almost the exact same it's like you know how they have like temp scores do you know what temp scores are yeah so like when you're making a movie before music is usually one of the last things you do so you'll take like scores from other movies and put them over your movie and be like just to let the like uh composer know like this is kind of the vibe we're going for it's literally almost like they just left that in like they yeah. just they just didn't take out the the dark the Batman Begins like it's temp like score. I I feel like probably what happened was it's one of those things like do you ever like like have a dream where you're like oh my gosh like I just had the most original idea ever like I was like there's this guy with, like bats swirling around and like I have this vision for a movie and then you're watching a movie and you're like oh it's because I watched this two months ago and I didn't realize this is a direct ripoff yeah it's it's pretty bad I want I want to play a game with you real quick okay. um, this is gonna be a 
Morbius quote or okay. shit I just made up off the top of my <laughs> okay. head, okay? okay? And you have to guess uh, okay. if it's which is which. I, I can't tell whether this would be hard or not. Nice coat. <laughs> Morbius. And here I thought you were just some jacked up dumb shit. It's got to be Morbius. It's got to be real, right? That's a Morbius quote. That's a Morbius it's got to be real. It's taken straight from like that Home Alone black and white movie. Yeah. That, they, that is always funny. All right. Here's another one. Okay. You took everything from me. Oh, God. I, 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 I'm going to say something you just made up. Yes. Okay. I okay. made that one up. I made that one up. I feel, right. like, I feel like I'm trying to picture the Morbius plot in my head. You don't want to see me when I'm hungry. <laughs> That's got to be fucking Morbius. It's got to <laughs> be a real quote. That's Morbius. It's so bad. That can't be. That's like like someone's, like SNL's literally making a, a Hulk, like, skit. Yeah. You don't want to see me when I'm hungry. All right. I've done things. I've killed people. Oh, my God. It's got to be Morbius. No. Yeah, yeah, that's more. It's, it's real It's like I can I can feel the the shit authenticity of I I have to read this Letterboxd review really quick. Um, one of the top Letterboxd reviews for Morbius underneath Noah Trainer at whatever I watch next is gonna feel like a masterpiece with one and a half. I star. did say that. Yeah. It's a, a one star by Tyler. Uh, Jared Leto is like King Midas, except everything he touches turns to shit. So. All right. Two more. Okay. Give me a zinger. I'm done with this life. I'm never sucking blood again. Stop. Don't tell me. That's got to be fake. It's Please fake. Tell me it's that's fake. fake. Please. <laughs> oh, I was about to say I'll never be able to watch another superhero movie. That's All right. Real. Last one. Okay. I'm Venom. <laughs> is, that, is that Morbius? Fake. Well, I What's know Venom. What's your Venom's final answer? I know Venom's another superhero. Shout out Tom Hardy, but it's got to be. I'm gonna go with Morbius. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be real. At one point, he literally like is about to eat a guy, and he goes, "I'm Venom." <laughs> Stop. You can't see me right now, but my mouth is my jaw is on the ground. I, I'm just picturing everyone watching. You like, went. You went six for six on that game. Congratulations. Yeah, wow. I honestly, I should have, like, spent some more time coming up with fake quotes beforehand (laughs) to try to stump you. There is no way. Like, I can just, like, bad writing. It's, like, one of those things that's, like, like why, like, some forms of cringe comedy are so good. It's, like, porn, you know, when you see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or it's, like, 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 character comedy, like Will Ferrell. Like, Will Ferrell can only do that sort of character so well because it's authentic. It's, like, you can't make up shit. Like, it's either just poor or not. Right. I, I I honestly, oh, I have to mention here, it's a perfect segue. Uh, I saw a meme on Twitter, again, another Twitter reference, and it was like um, the Darth Maul, like uh, Phantom Menace scene where he's like pulling out his lightsaber and about to fight uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and he's like, like one side of his lightsaber is out, and it's like Jared Leto, worst DC movie. <laughs> and then it's like the next block, and it's like the other lightsaber is out, it's like Jared Leto, worst Marvel movie. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how does he recover, um, like, emotionally from first the Joker and now Morbius? I don't know. I don't know. I who mean, let him f- who let him be in Morbius? Jared Leto needs to just, like, shut the fuck up yeah, and go away. Let's talk about Jared Leto's film career. He's, obviously, he 
you know, is in 30 Seconds to Mars. So that's kind of his other big thing. But he's he's won an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, a movie he I was have pretty not, good in. I there. have not seen. Um, I, I guess he deserves it. This he's year in he American was in Psycho. he was in House of Gucci, which he was. <laughs> Pretty he plays Morbius in that as well, actually. Basically. I mean, honestly, <laughs> he's he looks like a vampire in that movie as well. Um, but, like, Jared Leto is just, I can't take him seriously in a big role. Like, in, like, The Thin Red Line or Fight Club or Blade Runner. You I'm, know? I'm like, trying to remember what he was in Fight Club. Uh, I think his character's name is Angel. He's just one of the, like, other thugs. Yeah. But, like, he's, oh, I, I think I remember or like even American Psycho, like we talked about earlier. Well, I think he does well in American Psycho because you like he's so annoying, and like right, you're right. supposed to be annoyed by him. Yeah, he's only Paul good Allen. when either a he's supposed to be annoying, or <laughs> b he's in a small role where he can kind of like focus that energy. You so, know, so when he's the quote unquote lead or semi lead of a movie, like it just doesn't work. I honestly think he should have been put up at least for a nomination for a Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> that movie did win an Oscar. <laughs> For best makeup, I think. Really? Yeah, I think it won best what makeup. A time Everybody was like, Oscar winner, Suicide Squad, let's go. Why does anyone watch the Oscars anyway? So, how do you think about the upcoming. You Apple say TV that, show? and we spent all of last week talking about yeah, the Oscars. Yeah, because we're movie nerds. <laughs> Wait, what else are we going to do with our time? Well, if it helps you sleep at night, nobody watches the Oscars besides movie nerds anymore. <laughs> Their viewership was like 16 million this year, so, which is pretty bad. Yeah, that is. I mean, which is surprising considering. Welcoming Will Smith onto the podcast now to talk about it. The slap. No, just kidding. What do you think about that Apple TV show that, that is coming out called We Crashed? Oh, he's in Apple that, original. yeah. I heard that's Anne bad. Anne Hathaway? I mean, I is it out yet? Bad. Well, like, critics can get screeners. I don't know. I heard it's probably going to be bad. Jared Leto, Anne Hathaway. 63%. I'm not sixty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not interested. All these like I'm not corporate scandal shows that are coming out, just like they seem like a dime a dozen. I'm just so bored of them. Yeah, well, it, but watch Succession. That is probably one oh, of the best well, that's shows different. I've ever seen. That's different. Yeah. That's not like based on a true story. Yeah, you know? like that's just yeah. really great. Writing. You know the um the the Theranos show. I think it's coming out on Hulu with um Amanda something. What's her name? Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, she, yeah. I just I, I would probably watch that. It might be good. I might. But Only if I could get no ads. I feel like I'm already tired of Elizabeth Holmes' content. You know, like, I feel yeah. like so many people Have are talking about that. Have you ever seen that HBO documentary about no. Theranos? It's good. You should watch it. What and uh, Adam person? McKay is making a movie about it with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, that'll probably be pretty good. Yeah. I'll watch that. I'll, I'm just going to wait for that. So yeah, I'll just the wait show. for that. I'm just going to wait yeah. for that. I don't even really like, I don't know, this is a hot take, but I don't really like Amanda Seyfried. That is uh, sort of a hot take, but like, not really. I don't think she's good in... I don't know, like, like she's good at Mank. I haven't seen Mank. Uh, I, I'm a you gotta big, see Mank. I know. I need to see it. Get Manked. Yeah, Stephen. Just I'll, go I'll get, get manked. manked as soon as I can. Um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Les Mis for our, our musical theater audience. Oh, I, I, I hate love Les, Les Mis. Mis. The movie, uh, the movie, the the Broadway production, okay. both. I like both of them. I haven't seen Just the play, but I hate Les Mis, Les Mis itself. The movie. I think the movie is good, but what I was about to say is, I, th- I don't really think she's good in that. She kind of just seems like an Oscar casting. I mean, I guess that's kind of the whole movie. Is it's yeah. just like, oh, you probably will make it to the Oscars. I mean, Anne Hathaway won for yeah. it, right? Her performance is good, though. I gotta say. Uh, I hated that movie. That was such a slog. I think I, I enjoyed the movie. I think I think you have to approach it with a, a love for Les Mis first. 
and then the movie will be. Maybe maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe if I hadn't seen. I mean that's true. I don't have any association to Les Mis yeah. besides the movies. So. Fun fact: Ian Grenier, uh, Squawk's podcast biggest fan. Yeah, actually, he actually already is selling merch. He's selling knockoff yeah. merch of Squawk on yeah. the street. So go go buy some. Yeah, go reach out to him. But <laughs> fun fact: uh, one time I saw uh, a Broadway production of Les Mis in North Charleston, and uh, Ian Grenier was there, and we talked. We ate a pretzel together before we went into the showing. That was a fun time. Just just so you all have his Twitter, um, at Ian Grenier Underscore the Squawk Biggest Fan 1. Yeah. Just Ian Grenier, G-R-E-N-I-E-R 1. Uh, tweet at him your favorite moment from this podcast because yeah. he'd love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so make sure to spam his inbox as much as you can. And and maybe if you can convince him to come on. He was really, really nervous yeah. to come on. But yeah. Tell him we want you, Ian. Yeah. Yeah, just tweet that at him. And, and he'll know what it means. Most importantly, go read one of his uh, opinion stories recently. It is a, a really interesting, uh, very, very heavily reported story about monuments and, and USC campus. So on, a, on a, another note, that is worth checking out. Maybe he'll talk about it when he comes yeah, on. Yeah, hopefully. When we he, were going to have him on this week. musters the courage, yeah. Yeah. If he hadn't cried so much about coming on, maybe we could have talked to him about this week. Same with Caleb. Caleb actually told me he really likes Morbius. He really likes Morbius? Yeah, he's he's got it. the mania? Yeah, yeah. He started the mania. <laughs> um, <laughs> last thing, think... my last thoughts on Morbius. Yeah, what is it set up for the future, too? Okay, so the, the end then... is like a Michael Keaton cameo where it's like... What the gets... hell is Michael Keaton doing? Come okay. on, you're better than that, Keaton. They're, Come on. they're bringing him in through the multiverse or something. I, Lord Does knows he play they, himself? They prob- no, he plays uh, Vulture. No, I know that's what. Oh, obviously he doesn't. Michael Keaton not playing Michael Keaton, but I meant yeah. does he play? He's playing yeah. Vulture in Morbius. Yeah. What? Because like at the end, it's like the sky opens up, like at the end of Spider-Man: No Way Home, and then it's like, oh, he got brought into this universe now. So it's like you're he's kidding just there. Me. Stop. Yeah. So I think that's why do people watch these movies? You know, you know, Kevin Feige was face palming like when that happened it was like the like Sony's <laughs> Sony's fucking with the yeah. MCU now it was contingent in the when they bought back they renegotiated Spider-Man in like a few years ago yeah they they're were like you like... have to let us make Morbius you <laughs> have to let award winning Michael Keaton be in it honestly they probably were like hey Michael Keaton we're doing a shoots for Spider-Man he's like alright I'll come in for a couple scenes and then yeah. it shows up in Morbius he's like what the fuck <laughs> I, I feel so annoying saying this so many times but again I watched an interview one time with Michael Keaton, and he was like, um, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I just showed up, and <laughs> and he was like, I can't reveal much, but uh, I don't even really know who I'm playing or something no, like I that. No, I think Matt Smith, who plays the second lead in Morbius, like, he plays Milo. He was literally like, I had no idea what the movie was about when we were <laughs> shooting it. <laughs> but he's actually, like, the only good performance in the movie. Yeah? My last, my last thought is that when I watched it with my friend Sean, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Sean Young, not of Blade Runner fame, but my friend, uh, and there's a kissing scene where, like, Morbius, like, th- his love interest, he goes, like, they're standing on, like, top of a building, like, the end of Iron Man 3, basically, right. and he's like, uh, I, I, I'm different now, I have to live this life, and he, like, kisses her, and Sean just turns to me and goes, did any of that feel earned? And I was just <laughs> like, I was like, that is a pretty good way to sum up this movie, none of that felt earned, so... So my, long story short, go see Morbius. It's it's yeah. really a great movie. Per Matt Singer of Screen Crush, movies were a mistake. So that was his review. <laughs> so that's not a glowing endorsement. I don't know what is. 
I've, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who say they waited their whole life for a Dr. Michael Morbius yeah. movie, and now it's here. It's here. Yeah, if, if this is what you've been waiting for, this if this it. brings joy into your life, then truly I'm happy for you. I can't relate, but I'm happy for you. Um, another meme review from Letterboxd, uh, the new Batman is just too real for y'all. <laughs> This so is another one. I guess we just don't get it. It went over my head. Like I said, I didn't understand the Milo Lucian thing. So no. I guess, I guess I'm just a, a, a smooth brain guy here. Smooth brain movie watcher. You're not a you're, you're not a true Morbius fan. I'm not a true Morbius understand. fan. I'm I'm not. I got ex, excised from the mania. Here's another letterbox review. Uh, this is all it says. Absolute shit. Period. <laughs> Um, I hate to go from one superhero thing to another because I know we always talk about how much we hate superheroes, but they're the only thing that's like relevant in our culture right now. So like God, we, we kind of have to talk about it. But Moon Knight started last week. Um, really, really transitioning uh, to something we we've not talked about with Morbius, Moon Knight. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> no, I I, I I I watched the first episode of Moon Knight. I thought it was good. I don't know. Again, did do, did does it feel earned? Maybe not. Do I love Oscar Isaac? Yes. It's, Do I it's hate that early. Ethan Hawke is in it? Yes. I don't hate that Ethan Hawke is in it. <sighs> I mean, I, I hate that our greatest actors now have to be in these types of I know. shows. Come on. But, like, Ethan Hawke's going to be fun in the rest of the show. He, he was pretty freaking heckin' good in it. I love o- Oscar that Isaac was good in it's it, just, too. It's like the opening. I like that his name is Steven. That had a special place in my heart because of that. So you know I love Stevens. Paul Schrader. Okay. Like first performed and the yeah. card counter in those movies. I know. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I watched and the card Ethan, counter. Ethan Hawke was in First Reformed and Oscar Isaac was in the card counter. Yeah. And like they're always like in Paul Schrader movies, it's always like a depressed, like mid like forties or fifties man, like writing in a notebook while drinking whiskey and whatever. And, like, opening scene, Ethan Hawke, you don't see his face, but he's got a whiskey, a no, diary we, open, then he was... smashes the glass, puts it in his shoes, and then walks around on the glass in his shoes. And I was like, the opening scene of this Marvel movie, it's like a fucking Paul Schrader movie. I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And then I, the rest w- of the episode was not like that at all, but <laughs> it was a cool I don't know. Opening. I feel like that – I feel like – I don't know. They they tee up all of these Marvel shows in such a formulaic way. Like, if I, as the brilliant executive that I am, if I were to have made this first episode of Moon Knight, I would have opened it, like, halfway into the episode. Like, because it, like, it builds this tension with Ethan Hawke, and then it just, like, tells you exactly what's happening and, like, explains it out in boldface right in front of you. And then it's, like, like, it also in the bio of the episode of, like, like explains exactly what happened and then halfway through the episode you're like oh, okay now I, or like towards the end of the episode you say like oh okay so he's moon knight now i see it big reveal. right he's moon knight but you still don't really understand how he got there or why he's moon yeah. knight so i'm like interested to i'm interested i will keep watching i'm, I'm interested to see where it goes with the tone not necessarily the story like the story is going to be like any other if oscar isaac show. wasn't in it i don't know if i would keep watching yeah but. He's good. And He's great. really good moment at the end is when he goes, like, when he sees, like, the other version of himself yeah, in the yeah. mirror. And it's his normal voice. Yeah, he's so badass. Yeah. And, and and how do we feel about his British accent? I don't know. I couldn't tell whether I liked it or not. It's fine. Yeah, it was kind of funny. It made me laugh a few times. Yeah. I think he does a good job of playing, like, the insomniac really well. Right. That was good. I think it's less about the British accent and more about the pitch that yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Is what's different. Yeah, exactly. Because he has a very and and also I don't know I love Isaac Isaac we've we've talked about inside Lewin Davis, um, but 
I, I, I also see him as one of those actors, like we were saying with Russell Crowe, where he's just very talented, but he's not, like, pretentious, maybe, necessarily. Or maybe yeah, no, I mean, he was in the last three yeah. Star Wars movies. Yeah, like, yeah. and, like, I'm sure he had a hell of a good time making bank and playing a fun character. You know what I mean? Right. So I can see him, them offering him Moon Knight and him being like, yeah, hell yeah, why not? I'll make some money. Well, apparently Ethan Hawke is only in Moon Knight because Oscar Isaac, like, called him up and said, be in this with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. See, Ethan Hawke is one of the type of characters that I would not imagine to be, and is I feel like slightly disappointing. We've talked about this, but if you want to see another uh, movie adaptation, there's a really good Ethan Hawke uh, Dickens adaptation with great expectations. Robert De Niro, Gwyneth Paltrow. That's a really good movie. What do we think about the whole like, I don't know, just like Egyptian theme? I feel like it's getting very sixth grade Rick Riordan at times. Like, you know how Rick Riordan's universe expanded so much just so we could keep writing books? Yeah. It's like Marvel is quickly doing that. Like, oh, God, we used up all the other mythologies. We got to – what's something kind else of. we can churn That's out? That's what God of War did with the latest God of War game where they're like, uh, now we're not Greek gods yeah, anymore. Any, we're any time gods. anything, <laughs> like, mythological comes out – I mean, I guess that's just comic books in general too. Though. Yeah, but, I think it's just part of the character. Yeah. It's just like that. I Com- mean, Comic books cool. are so expensive and weird. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's good. What have you watched? You haven't watched all of the other Disney shows. I watched Hawkeye. What did you think of Hawkeye? Uh, I liked the first couple episodes because it was kind of like just like a Shane Black movie. Yeah, almost. it was like fun, kind of like, like New York, like New York Christmas vibes. Like yeah. that's fun, and it was just kind of like a pretty straight down the middle action show. And then like the last two episodes, like they brought in. Florence Pugh's character from Black Widow, which is fine because I like Florence Pugh. And like all I like Florence other... Pugh, but I hated her in that show. And all this other like Marvel bullshit, and I was like, okay, stop. And then yeah. in the last episode, they bring in Wilson Fisk again, who's yeah. obviously great in Daredevil. And they're like, yeah. all right, now let's make him a fucking bitch. <laughs> Do your thing. <laughs> yeah, and he was awful. Yeah, um, and he was just kind of there to like make a big action scene. and then Yeah, they're like, like I love at the end of, I think, whatever the second to last episode was, and they're like, Hawkeye's like, oh, that's what I was worried about, him getting involved. And it shows a picture of Fisk. And then the next episode, him, he's like, yeah, Fisk is going to make a really big play. Or, like, he's really going to fuck shit up. And, like, in Daredevil, that meant literally chopping a dude's head off with the car door. And in Hawkeye, it meant um, him throwing Kate, the archer girl, like, across the room across like, like, twice. Across, like, a toy shop then, into a yeah, teddy bear. And then giving up. <laughs> yeah. And like, then getting, like, electrocuted and then surviving that and then just getting shot. Yeah. And like, I guess that's a spoiler, but well, he's not dead. He's. I thought that was. I thought it was supposed to be. He's definitively dead. No, like, oh, no, no. They they don't even show him getting shot on screen. Yeah, no. Yeah, way. I guess you're right. I guess the Game of Thrones rule applies. Yeah, that 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 applies to all media. If you don't see somebody die on screen, they yeah. don't die. Just like Stranger Things, like they they've oh, even gosh. shown in the fucking trailers that Hopper's back. They yeah. weren't even pretending. Yeah, that, talk that about talk about dead. a money like a good show turned money making scheme. Stranger. How do you Things? feel about that show? I actually really like every season. Um, uh, every season? Yeah. I'm I don't know. I guess I am being optimistic for season four. Yeah, me too. Because they haven't let me down yet. And I like that the show evolves. I do think that... The show does do a pretty good job of evolving. I, I do think right. they make Hopper a little bit of a caricature in season three um, when he felt like one of the deepest characters in seasons one and two. In season yeah. three, he's just kind of mad all the time. It's like, yeah. all right. Like, he's like the mad... I'm yeah, he's just, he just becomes a little one note. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I really liked season three. Well, maybe they should have just saving up their writing for season four for him. Yeah. I'd probably go season season one of Stranger Things. Season one like, is, like, groundbreaking. It's, awesome. It's a 
I don't know if I'd say groundbreaking because it's basically a rehash of like every Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, but that's but that's why one. it's so good is because it it brought like a very like original tone to like making cool 80s movies yeah. in the modern time. I don't necessarily think it's quote-unquote original, but I will say it is executed perfectly. It's, like, yeah. one of the most perfectly executed, like, eight episodes of TV I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, and, like, every character is, is good. Every character you're rooting for. Yeah. It's scary. It's fun. Season two, I think, gets lost in the plot a little bit. Yeah. Although I still think that a lot of the character interactions they introduced in season two are good. And yeah. then I think season I three refined that a little bit. Um, probably all the Russian shit is a little too dumb, but... I, I, thought, I did not like the Russian shit either. I don't know. I, I It's like I keep watching, same reason I watch Marvel stuff, because it's fun and good, but it's like, especially for season three, like I felt like I was just watching something because it's like a cultural phenomenon. Like, right. It's not actually good. It's just like everyone's watching it, and it's like kind of fun to watch. I'm cautiously optimistic for season four because it almost feels like the tr- from the trailers, I was almost getting a little bit more of an early 90s vibe yeah. than a late 80s vibe, which yeah. season three was very much, you know, mid-80s uh, vibes. And if season four is, like, all early 90s vibes, like, these, like, you know, like, the kind of feeling you get when you watch, like, Reservoir Dogs or, yeah. like, uh, Wall Street or, like, any of those movies yeah, released from, like, movie. 87 to, like, 93 just yeah. have, like, a specific, like, weird vibe and place to them i don't yeah. know how to describe that no but like, I, I know what you feel i mean it's the same reason when you watch like an 80s movie that it feels that way yeah like reality bites feels that way like i want it to feel like that yeah and it, i kind of got that vibe from the trailer my biggest problem with tick tick boom um which we talked about yeah i really a tiny bit it. last week was that it didn't yeah. feel like that it takes place in 1990 and it didn't feel like that at all I, th- I think andrew garfield makes it feel like that a little bit no. Like, like the clothes. When I saw the play on stage last week, or not last week, a couple weeks ago, it felt like that. Like, it felt very 90s to me. When I saw the movie, it did not feel 90s at all. And I don't know if that's the directing style. I don't know if that was, like, the production design. I don't know if that was the performances. I, it felt, it just felt too Lin-Manuel Miranda to me, you know? And I know he directed it, but, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. he's just, I need someone a little bit more, like, 90s for I don't know what I really movie. liked about it I mean I think Andrew Garfield's performance is show stopping um, I mean his performance is good it just yeah. didn't feel at peace with like the time and place that that movie should be representing and yeah. like the kind of like Gen X angst like it felt angsty in a millennial way not a Gen X way yeah I, I, I can I can totally re- I, I do see what you're saying I, but I don't know I thought I thought Andrew Garfield and the theme of like following your dream being well executed, yeah. Like like Johnny Larson's writing just obviously shines through through Lin Manuel's brain, I guess. But like I was expecting when I when I saw the show, I was like, this reminds me of season one of Friends. You know, it just feels like all these <laughs> yeah. like, you know, people that are in their twenties living in New York don't really know what they're doing, just kind of figuring it out as they go along. Yeah. Like it just like in something about Tick Tick Boom just felt the movie felt way too polished. For yeah, that. I, I like it didn't. Well, and it feels like forcedly like raggedy, like yes, forcedly yes. we're broken. None of it felt authentic. Yeah, in the way that I thought it did on stage. Well, uh, does Friends really feel authentic? Season one does. But like that's just because it's actually the '90s. Like the apartments are big. Yeah, like, but there's there's, there's so much like going on in that show that feels authentically yeah. like, especially the the dialogue and like the way that the sets are decorated. And everything, it, it it feels a lot more '90s. 
and the type of humor that they use yeah feels feels it now keep in mind neither of us lived in the 90s so we have no fucking clue what right. we're talking and about and i've also never seen friends all the way through yeah. Much less seen much of Friends, actually. I don't even know if I've seen them. Like, My hot take that episode. everybody always goes, what are you talking about? Is that season one of Friends the best? Because it, it's the only season that feels like what the original premise of the show was. Interesting. Season two and three kind of do. And then, like, by season four, they all have, like, these, like, crazy good jobs and all this shit. And, yeah. like, it's kind of the natural evolution of the show, but it, it loses a little bit of the feeling for me because of that. Whereas, like, it's all about these... It becomes all about these relationships and how they play out over time, whereas, like, season one is just them taking it one day at a time. And what, you know, dumb situation are we going to argue about uh, today? You yeah. know, like, that's that's the more feeling of being young that, like, I can kind of identify with or, like, yeah. I can understand. Like I mentioned before, that's what Reality Bites feels like. That's what Seinfeld feels like. That's what all the great 90s yeah. stuff feels like. I am a big Seinfeld fan. I mean, how could you not be? Yeah. If you weren't. Sure. I would, like, cancel this podcast. I'd be like, all right, well, I guess uh, that's it for me and Steven. We're not doing this anymore. Have you seen Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, I've seen the first two seasons. It's really good. I need you should to keep watching. Yeah. I-, I love that show. I'm, I'm currently watching, uh, not really for the first time, but... It was a while ago when I started watching it, and I just think I got busy. You know, that, time, that so show, weirdly enough, it really captures... We're talking about 80s, 90s. It really captures, like, 2000s well oh, now. Because yeah. it's made... Because it's, like, it's supposed to be very, like, modern. But because now, watching it 13 seasons later, like, the first season is so, like, 2000s. Like, especially, like, Larry, David, Larry David's, like, outfit. And they're, like, using flip phones and, like, the cars. like And, like, the house <laughs> and decorations are also cheesy. Dude, any movie or TV show is made better by somebody having a flip phone and, like, closing it dramatically. Oh, my gosh, That's the yeah. fucking best. That's why smartphones suck. We need to bring back flip phones <laughs> yeah, just so that we can movies. close them dramatically. Yeah. It just makes everything, it just makes your life feel more cinematic, you know? Yeah, I would agree. Like, Matrix, that's actually the only reason Matrix ever did well is just because of the phone usage. Right. A little, like, antenna. Hot take, Matrix, good movie. I, that's not a hot take. I know, it's a joke. Hot take Matrix 3, I enjoyed Matrix 3. I enjoyed Matrix 2, but not Matrix 3. And I enjoyed the new one. I haven't seen it. That's embarrassing. I'm, it's I mean, good. It's a, I think it's good. A lot of people hated it. But I, I, think I will good. watch anything with Keanu Reeves. Maybe that makes me a, a pop culture sheep. But it's I really love It's ridiculously meta. Have you ever seen My Own Private Idaho? No, but I actually have it on Blu-ray. I just haven't gotten yeah. around to watching it. Yeah, you need to watch it. That is really good. Um, and Noah and I recently have been trying to watch more Criterion Collection movies. I don't know if that makes us more pretentious or better movie hosts, but I'm pretty sure that's a Criterion movie. Yeah, I actually did watch a Criterion movie this week called Shallow Grave. Oh, yeah? Was with, it good? Yeah. It's a Danny Boyle movie, uh, his first like feature movie, with Christopher Eccleston, uh, Carrie Fox, and Ewan McGregor. Oh, and, uh, wow. It's about, like, three people that own an apartment, and they, like, interview some guy. To, Trying to make to it in New in. York. One's a Broadway, wants to be a Broadway writer. No, it takes place in the U.K. Oh. Um, well, Danny Boyle, I guess. That yeah, it's yeah. it's a British movie. Um, and uh, this guy moves in with them, but they find him, like, dead of a drug overdose, like, two days into him living into the apartment. But he has, like, a suitcase full of cash under his bed, so they decide that they're going to try to hide the body and keep the cash. Why don't they just like, take the cash and not let hide the body? Listen, 
I thought about that while I was watching the movie, and I was like, I guess there would be some logistical things. But you find out later that they kind of couldn't have done that because there are also mobsters looking for that guy. Oh. Uh, and that's how the police kind of catch on to them. And, you know, they all try to kind of screw each other over. And it's That sounds very much like a Danny Boyle movie. Yeah, it's, it's like good. A, you should watch it. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's fun to watch it knowing that the next movie he makes is Train Spotting. You know? Like, you see a lot of the style and, like, choices in it that you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely the guy. Who Do you think you enjoy British movies like Train Spotting more because they're British and it has that exactly like what we're talking about, the 80s and 90s movies? It has, like, a, uh, an aesthetic that is... Well, yeah, obviously that aesthetic and vibe is super important. And yeah. I love, like, um, like synth British pop from, like, the 80s right. and 90s. Yeah. Like, you know... Classic. New Order and The Cure and all that stuff, so... Yeah, I like that too. That's a good. Um, I, I have you ever? What's the? I don't know if they count as British synthwave, but um, do you know that band that people say Banksy is? Uh, I do not know Banksy. I, Actually, but, we have one more uh, yeah. thing to talk about before we bring on Lawson. That's yeah. uh, the Grammys happened uh, this weekend, and we know nothing about the Grammys pretty much, or at least I don't, because. I'm very bad at keeping up with modern music, but I want to shout out my boy, uh, Bo Burnham. Yeah, big shout out to Bo Burnham. Who won a Grammy. Olivia Rodrigo winning. I don't know how I feel about that. Industry industry plant, perhaps, but... Eh, they all are. <laughs> the <laughs> only not, thing not more rigged than the Oscars is the Grammys. So. Not Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham's not an but industry yeah, plant. But yeah, Bo Burnham, not an industry plant. His, Bo Burnham Inside was one of my favorite movies of last year. So Me too. I was super happy that Me he too. won. And his favorite album. Uh, for the real Bo Burnham fans, watch the Zach Stone show on, on Netflix. It's kind of corny, but Bo Burnham really shines through in it. I enjoyed watching it. It's just like one season of the MTV show that got canceled, I'm pretty sure. But it's good. Yeah. I recommend watching it. Uh, so we obviously have huge news in this week in that, you know, U of SC won a natty, girls basketball. And Morbius came out. But and just Morbius came that, out, but... But number two behind Morbius, women's basketball. Uh, so we're going to have Lawson Merle on now to talk about that. All right, and here we are with sports editor Lawson Merle. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. We're How doing great. Doing? Yeah. Still trying to catch up on sleep, but really, uh, yeah. really doing great, honestly. Weekend of a lifetime over here. <laughs> yeah. How was, uh, how was your experience in, in Minneapolis, right, for the, the tournament? Yeah, that's right. So we um, we left Thursday, drove out of Columbia, uh, made it up to Charlotte, and flew out. Um, very exciting five-hour layover in the St. Louis airport. <laughs> um, saw a lot of Terminal 2 that day. Um, nice. Shout out Terminal 2. Yeah, shout out. Shout out. Um, and then we made it to Minneapolis. I think we got in about midnight central time on Thursday. Um, and then Friday morning, we get up. We uh, start getting the content plan together for the weekend. Game one, the final four, was a Friday night. Um, so we make it over to the arena, get our press pass. So I'm honestly kind of uh, heated that I can't post a picture of my press pass. You're not allowed to. They don't to. let you? No, no. It's, that kind of uh, sucks. On, uh, on cause of... It's um, the first rule of the final four. Club. Yeah. So to to avoid any uh, unwarranted uh, um, upsetting of the NCAA, I've decided to keep my press pass confidential. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you we, need we cool? respect it. Yeah. 
Did you eat any cool food? What, what is like a, the cultural scene in Minneapolis? Did you see any of that? The culture scene was interesting. Yeah, so um, Friday we we weren't able to do that much. It was more like a, an Uber everywhere kind of situation right. since we flew right. in. So we made it over to the arena, um, got set up for the game, took lots of pictures, and uh, kind of uh, the photographer that we sent, uh, it was uh, Faith Worrell. She's incredibly talented, took tons of great photos, um, made a lot of really awesome graphics, too, that we were pushing on social yeah. media. Go check that all out on Daily Game Park. Tell us about your, um, your fan story. was super cool. What was it like reporting for that? Yeah, so on Saturday after they won Friday night, um, Don Staley and all five of the starters had media availabilities. And uh, after that, they had an open practice that fans were allowed to come to. And honestly, I uh, there were five, 6,000 fans there just Dang. for the open practice. That's crazy. Yeah, and it, it really... They had a closed practice as well, so that's where they were doing... I mean, anything that they had left that they wanted to sort out, kind of technically speaking. But really, it was more of a shoot-around. That was the open practice, but it was a great fan event, you know. I was able to walk around and talk to uh, a bunch of different Carolina fans, and I actually found someone. um, His name was Nate Hinton, I believe. He was there with his two daughters. He told me he was a class of 03 from the University of South Carolina and was actually on the Daily Gamecock back in the day we, oh really what do you know what section he was i should have asked him you know i should have <laughs> asked him would you say most of the people there were like pretty diehard carolinas people yeah it was um so yukon uh who we played in the championship game also had an open practice on saturday and i would say the two practices were probably about um evenly uh, attended yeah but um Paige Beckers, UConn's big uh, uh, star, who actually won National of the Player of the Year last year, National right. Player of the Year last year, uh, is from Minneapolis. Okay. So there was a big, um, a big turnout for her. But I would also say uh, most of the South Carolina fans who were there, very serious, very diehard. Um, most of them who I talked to said they had been Gamecock fans for life. So. That's didn't, he, awesome. didn't you say you interviewed a duo and one of them was a UConn fan? Yeah, so I, I talked to someone. She was telling me about her journey out to Minneapolis and everything. And at the end, I asked her kind of what her expectations were because this was on Saturday, the day before the championship. And she said, I, um, along the lines of, I just know my Gamecocks are going to go out there and, and bring it home and look to her friend who was wearing a UConn basketball shirt and said, isn't that right? And her friend's response was, no comment. So <laughs> we all know how that turned out, right? Yeah. What was the celebration like on yeah, tell us about sun- the night Sunday on. night, seeing all the players? And how much access did you get to that? What was it kind of like? Yeah, so I guess um, not as many COVID regulations around everything. Um, not in Minneapolis specifically, but I kind of saw it throughout the, the NCAA tournament, definitely kind of this spring. Um, a lot of stuff had been relaxed. So I was sitting in a on the press tables courtside, and after the final buzzer sounded, the, the celebrations began, we were basically able to go out onto the court, and there was kind of a roped-off area um, around the stage where everyone was being presented that we couldn't go into. But I was basically able to walk around the court, kind of take pictures of everything, 
Asia Wilson was there. I uh, oh yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, that that was awesome. She was sitting front row, right behind uh, South Carolina's bench, and um, she was just super energetic all night. She was down on the floor for the for the championship celebration, and I was actually able to go up to her, talk to her. I showed her Steven's picture of yeah. the uh, the fountain, and she uh, she said that's exactly how it should be. Yeah. She, she was very excited. Yeah, for context, I, I tweeted some pictures. I went to the fountain. Um, I, I There's an article from The State by, by Ben Portnoy that um, I think really summed up sort of that, that excited feeling as he was like, he kind of set the the story with like people running to the fountain, and then he said went back to the game, and then he was like, meanwhile, like six thousand miles away, and I thought that was a really cool sort of way to talk, talk about that. But meanwhile, six thousand miles away, um, I was uh, there tweeting. I was with Ian Grenier and Audrey Ellsbury, and um, and Ian Grenier is really jealous of of this. But one of my tweets. Uh, did what got like a surprising amount of like likes or whatever. Yeah, and that's that because cool. I retweeted it. Yeah, it was all <laughs> thanks to, to uh, engagement director here, Noah. Also, if you saw the squawk, twit, tweeted it out. Yeah, we. That was pretty cool. We were trying to get a poll going of uh, to cancel classes, and I retweeted that from the squawk and said, uh, "Y'all know what to do." Um, I also replied to a couple of Daily Gamecock tweets. I mean, yeah, I was, was running really both Twitters night. at the same time, so like. Yeah. I was really tweeting at myself. But, Fingers were know, on fire. For people out in the world, it didn't look like that. So, yeah, I unfortunately did not get to go to the fountain because I was on yeah. I was on Twitter <laughs> duty. But that's okay. For those, for obviously Lawson wasn't there either. He was probably doing something more cool. But those, <laughs> those who weren't at the fountain, it was an insane experience. Like I, I honestly, it gave me like Astro World like vibe like it was it, like there was a second where i was like <laughs> taking a picture and i looked up and i like could not move because these people were like dancing like on one side i was getting like kicked in the face and then there's like the crowd was just like totally like insanely huge out of nothing like instantly like i saw i was walking down green street and i saw people like sprinting to the fountain and it was it was honestly smelled really bad too the <laughs> fountain water was not i i did not even dip my feet in and you know, one thing that I noticed in all of the uh, the photos and videos and everything from the fountain was that everyone was wearing shorts and t-shirts. You know, in Minneapolis, it was 30 degrees. <laughs> and on the morning of the championship game, it snowed at our Airbnb. So I'd like everyone to know that when I was walking out to the uh, team send-offs at their hotel, I could not feel my hands. <laughs> and uh, once we were able to get back... Um, you know, covered the whole game, the, the celebration afterwards, talked to Asia Wilson, and actually ahead of the game, um, we were walking back, the media entrance to the media workroom was closed uh, because they were doing kind of a red carpet entrance for the teams. So uh, we had to go up through the concourse and we ran into interim president Pastides and nice. uh, president-elect Amarides. So I actually got a quick interview with them, a quick video, also on the Daily Gamecocks Twitter. So gotta absolutely love that check accent. that out. Yeah, uh, Stephen Stephen knows all about that. Yeah, yeah. Little known fact on the podcast: I I am Greek. So Wait, and Greek? I have in fact I, am, yeah. I have in fact met Stevens, Babu, and Yaya. Yeah, they're the best. Shout out to Yaya. We talked about her on the podcast already, actually. The um yeah, there's a, a little anecdote, but yeah, if you ever want to talk talk about Greek food or anything. Hit me up. Baklava? Yeah, I love baklava. 
I, uh, I did a trip in high school one time that was like we had these like learning things in my high school because it was like a prep school show my privilege here um and we had to do like these weekend learning trips and one of them was like go to a greek orthodox church and make baklava <laughs> yeah i, <laughs> so I spent I, the whole saturday doing that one time it sounds like fun. a good time i uh went to a greek orthodox church my my whole childhood um big uh dolmatas big fan of those but yeah lawson any other notes from from the game? One thing I would definitely like to add, on Saturday, um, ahead of the national championship game, I was in Don Staley's press conference, and uh, a reporter asked her kind of about the differences that we still see between the men's Final Four and the women's Final Four. Um, so on Sunday, the the men's two championship teams were scheduled for an hour availability 30 minutes for the head coach, 30 minutes for the starters, and there was no overlap. But on Saturday in Minneapolis, Coach Staley and all five starters were available for the same 30-minute period. So they asked her about it, um, and she she took a second to think about it, and she said, does it bother y'all? Right. Literally just mm-hmm. turning the question on the, on the reporters who were sitting there. And there was a scattered yes, and she said, seriously, does it bother y'all? And almost every... I'll say 25 reporters who were sitting out there were like, yeah, that, we think that's an issue. You know, because I, I was able to ask her a question on that Saturday, but I wasn't able to ask the same question to one of the starters that I think I would have been able to, you know, pull a quote into as well and build my story better, maybe. Yeah. But um, she said, I think for our game to continue to grow, the women's game to continue to grow, uh, we need that connection with the media. And she said, maybe equal or equity isn't an hour maybe it's two hours for us and i can guarantee you that everyone there said coach daly we'll listen to you talk for two hours we will i promise yeah yeah so i I just thought that was really cool how um she turned the question she turned the question she appreciates the impact of the media on the game you know and and there was a i think it was after the the greensboro regional after the elite eight she said we appreciate the local media you know literally i think it was a whole over a minute where she was talking about the local media who had followed the team throughout, reported on them and everything like that. So I just thought it was cool that she took the time to think about the small things like that. Speaking of Don Staley, I feel like as a lifestyle podcast, we have to talk about that. The fashion choices are incredible. The jacket on the the championship game, awesome. Yeah, Um, do you have a story behind the jacket? Because I was seeing it trending on Twitter, but I didn't really know what the story behind it was. Well, I know um, every game she she throws a fit. She yeah. throws a fit together. You That's know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. They they did. Someone asked her about it um, in the post game following the championship game, and she said, uh, "You know, I try to be hip. I I try to stay with the with the times." It was a little and, more than trying. Yeah, awesome. she's succeeding in my opinion. But they asked uh, Aaliyah Boston and Destiny Henderson about it, and both of them um, said they just always look forward to seeing her game day fits because they'll always have something to say. They know she always uh, has it going on. I my personal favorite from the weekend was the Balenciaga shirt with the gas tank all the way to full. Uh, I thought that was cool. Yeah, that's sick. What was your overall favorite moment that you got to experience this weekend? That's a really good question. I think um, I'll say late in the third quarter. I I don't want to get too deep into the basketball of it all. No, go ahead, go ahead. But the team, uh, a couple times towards the end of the season, kind of uh, blew leads. 
Um, so the UConn was able to cut it to six. We had been up the whole game, but it looked like a run was happening, and Aaliyah Boston got probably the most disrespectful slash dominant block I've ever seen. I think she blocked someone's jump shot with like her elbow. Yeah. And uh, handed the ball off to Destiny Henderson. Fast break, put it back up. I, I think that's when I knew they were going to win the national championship game. And for probably the whole fourth quarter, I couldn't stop smiling. Uh, I was just, uh, if not that, seeing the video, uh, I, I posted on Instagram, but the video of Don Staley after the game, she said, go to ESPN, go to the Scores app, go to National Champions, you'll see who it is. You'll see who won. Put it, be proud. Put it on all your social medias. Tell them who the champs are. Gamecocks. I can assure you, Lawson, that we were all here smiling <laughs> for the entire fourth <laughs> quarter as well. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the pod. This is great. Uh, love talking to you about the women's uh, national championship. We had I had a I had a blast uh, watching the game, and we have a ton of content. Yeah, on go read all the stories. Yeah, we had a whole day of lifestyle, not lifestyle. Content um, yeah, in Monday the newsletter. newsletter, it was just full of women's basketball. Our editors, uh, Kaylee and Michael, editor in chief and managing editor, they redid the the entire thing last <laughs> minute to be all about the championship. So deservedly that was, so. That yeah. was awesome, cause... and that was really cool. I thought to see the content from across the sections. Um, there was an opinion column. There was uh, my analysis of the game. There was kind of a, a news story from the, the fountain, and there were probably three photo galleries from all the different events. So I just thought it was really awesome to see that all come together as kind of a full Daily Gamecock effort. Arts and culture did nothing. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We're, we're kind of outside pictures. that, that realm, yeah. but they more than made up for it. So I should have done a story on her outfit outfits. Yes. In addition it's not to too late, Steven. <laughs> in addition to checking out all that content on our website you can check out the squawk on the website dailygamecock.com slash the squawk uh, you can follow us on social media twitter and instagram at the squawk underscore uh, this will be coming out every friday from here till the end of the semester we'll have summer episodes for youtube periodically so stay subscribed to our feed on spotify apple podcasts amazon music uh, basically anywhere you get your pods, you can find us. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Big things with, coming. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm sure we'll be super excited to talk about that. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Morbius Mania. <laughs>